magi or these kings from somewhere else, they believe that they had come from the east, which means they may have traveled not quite a thousand miles uh, to see the Christ child. Welcome everyone to podcast number 123, Renew Your Mind. With us today, we have Senior Pastor Paul Gruenberg. We have Youth and Family Director Jeremy Teru. We have retired pastor Barry Sweet and myself, Dana Hall, as the moderator. Um, today is the day after Christmas. And um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and we chose to talk about the Magi. Uh, we're talking about characters or individuals that were around during Jesus's birth. And um, we wanted to talk about the Magi um, today because they weren't really there during his birth, although all of our nativity scenes would um, have us believe that they were. So I'll throw it out to the group. And um, it, this was always something interesting to me, but I think we could say that Jesus was uh, close to a toddler, maybe up mm-hmm, to two years mm-hmm. of age when the Magi uh, visited. And um, where do we find this in scripture as well? Well, Herod decreed when he found out there was another king on the scene mm-hmm. and um, didn't like that, that he was going to kill all the male children two years old and under. And so that gives us our range mm-hmm. that the, Jesus could have been up to two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so there's that piece. And the fact that the Magi went to, the scripture says, a house, doesn't mention anything about a manger, mm-hmm. you know, or animals or anything like that. They went to a house. Um, I like to put it a house on the back streets of Bethlehem because if you think about it, is th- Mary and Joseph would have found better accommodations. Eventually, yeah. Eventually. <laughs> and so they were in Bethlehem quite a while. Could have been up to two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they found a different place to live. And so the Magi went to this house somewhere in Bethlehem. Um, and and that gives us our time frame. And then the uh, idea of the, the Magi or these kings from somewhere else, they believe that they had come from the East. Uh, one of the, Ideas or understandings is they could have come from Persia, which is the modern day Iran, which means they may have traveled not quite a thousand miles uh, to see the Christ child. They followed this, this star. And what's really interesting is that we go back into the Old Testament and Daniel, uh, the prophet Daniel, or um, was taken into another land Uh, and it was Persia, and Daniel had some uh, influence. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. real high up in the Persian government, had influence, and uh, in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, there's a prophecy which gives a timeline for the birth of the Messiah. And so they... These these magi now this these of course years later these magi would have been aware of any prophetic words that were spoken the star appears and they decide to follow this star thinking it could be this potentially Messiah 
And so they follow it. And, and the question would be, Jeremy, why three? <laughs> yeah, so we do not know how many magi there were. Oh, three, three, yeah. right? I think, well, my opinion is the three comes from the fact that there were three gifts brought to Jesus, gold, myrrh, and frankincense. And that, so- That are recorded. Yeah, 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 that, you know, we do have that recorded in scripture. So maybe for a nativity scene, it's easy to have one person holding each gift. I don't know. <laughs> I think right. it may have something to do with that, but we don't know how many there were. Again, we know there were more than one, but- so as we talked about in the break is that, you know, most of our nativity scenes include the wise men um, when they really weren't there. Not at much the birth, later, yeah. right. Not at the birth. And um, one of the things we do in our household is the wise men are on the way. So there we have our nativity scene in one spot and they're somewhere else in that same room. Yeah, kind of you have on to put the way. them really far away. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, if you want to play the game, you can keep moving them closer and closer if you like. But um, that's just a way to be a little more accurate in terms of the actual nativity scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though, if you don't do that, it's not a big deal as long as you understand the difference. Um, and the other thing is, is you used the word kings, Paul, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure they were kings. Oh, really? Why is that? Well, I'm not, Magi doesn't translate to king. It's more astrologer. Hmm. I mean, they, they were yeah. watching the skies. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, they, they were trying to read, you know, the message, prophecies. They did some work with prophecy, that kind of thing. I'm not sure they, in terms of our present understanding of kings, that that fits. Um, wise men fits a little better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wise men from the East seems to work. Um, but we're also pretty sure that they weren't Jews, that they were Gentiles, okay. which I think is absolutely critical to the story and to the, one of the messages of the birth of Jesus is that the birth of Jesus, the birth of God in human form, who would come to save us, die for us and save us and be resurrected for us is for people not just who are Jewish, but for all people of all times and right. all places. That's right. Whether you're people of means or whether you're not. I think that's where the shepherds of last week come in. They weren't people of means where it's possible the Magi may have been. I mean, those are pretty expensive gifts and it was a long journey. They had to fund yeah. it somehow. And um, and so you have both sides of that picture there. And um, But I think it leads us to the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah was for all people and still is. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to Isaiah, I remember Isaiah was at a time when the Northern kingdom of Israel was taken into captivity by Assyria. And he says in chapter 60, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and and thick darkness is over the peoples, remembering that there were 400 years of silence right. between mm-hmm. uh, the time that God last spoke through the prophets to the birth of Christ. And he goes on to say, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Mm. And and so one of the one of the aspects of Jesus is we say he's the light of the world. And this is the third instance now where God does something miraculous. Mm-hmm. And in this case it's it's a star that they follow that moves. 
that that moves and then sets over Bethlehem. And if he had GPS today, probably right over the house, right? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting though, does that mean then that the star was not present at Jesus' birth? It would have been present if they were traveling. 900 miles, 800, 900 miles is a long way to travel. And, you know. But if the star moved and led them, I've always wondered, I don't have an answer to this, is that was the star not part of the nativity in terms of the the night Jesus was born? Yeah, Yeah. because you're saying The star part of the story comes in with the Magi. Mm-hmm. The star leads them to the house right, in Bethlehem, right. which could be up to two years later. Is it possible that and that's going to really mess with people? Um, <laughs> but it's a but great question, though. It was I the mean, star present when Jesus, in the night Jesus was born? It's quite possible it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, all of you out there, I hope I'm not messing with you too much. <laughs> well, remember, if you're an advertiser, you're going to pack as much. Well, yeah, and we, that's what nativity. our nativity scenes do. They pack the whole story into one picture. Right? Do you think it took them that two years or a year and a half to travel that thousand miles? Well, if we were to divide, let's be was, conservative, 10 yeah. into 800, that's 80 days. Um. And would you travel every day or would you take a break every now and then? You know, yeah. hey, we're going to stay at this watering hole for uh, for a couple of days. So they were traveling. And what is really interesting, again, God uses a supernatural event. And as the shepherds were obedient, as Mary and Joseph were obedient, now these magi, uh, the question would be, did they— did they feel that God was leading them? Who who was their understanding of God? Did they understand God in terms of how Daniel mm-hmm. understood God? Or was this just some, you know, one yeah, of a number of... But, that's a good, oh, sorry, Barry, go ahead. No, my thought is as though they came to worship. Right. So there has to be some spiritual dimension to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Now, their understanding of God, we don't... Really we don't know. quite know. But I think they knew something of prophetic scripture. Yeah, they had to. Because in Matthew chapter 2, 2, they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Mm-hmm. And so they, they knew that the king of the Jews was associated with this, this star. So I it seems like they had a familiarity with Old Testament scripture. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other, as far as uh, scripture go, o- Old Testament, Psalm 72, 10 and 11, the kings of Tarshish and the distant shores will bring tribute to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba will present him with gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. So that mm. could be the the part of the birth story, although this all kings will bow down to him, kind of, I think, in terms of uh, when Jesus comes, the second advent, and everyone will, every knee will bow and every, and every tongue, tongue confess. confess. But the reference that they, maybe we were wrong about kings, because scripture uses the phrase kings. Well, in Psalm 72, yeah. So maybe they were king-like. Yeah. Maybe that was... Maybe yeah. kings is a stronger word today than it was then because there were many kings. Uh, mm-hmm. Abraham uh, 
could have been considered a king. Uh, Moses That's might have been point. considered yeah. a king. But kingdoms were very small back then. It wasn't like if you're the king of England, you've got all this huge landmass you're king over, right? right. So uh, I think I think to end this, we need to understand that here we have this group of highly respected astrologers or kings, magi that are coming to see Christ. And yet on the very other end of that upper society, we've got Herod, and we alluded to this uh, last week, Herod wants to destroy this king, right. uh, this baby king. And so he begins killing every, when the magi come, he begins killing every child two years and younger, which was already spoken about. Right. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives us that time frame that Jesus may have been more than a year. Maybe Herod was giving a margin of error and saying, "Sure, I'm sure. Because the uh, magi came to Herod first and say, hey, do you know about this prophecy? Where is this king? And Herod's like, oh, Go look at the Uh-oh. scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> and but tell me when you find him so that I might go worship him as well. And then it, the angels come to the Magi and after they have seen uh, Jesus and are told to go home a different, different way, not way. to go back to uh, right. Herod. And then that's when Herod says, Well, I can eradicate this problem by killing all the boys that were born here two years and younger. And so. One of the interesting aspects of this is that when we we worship God, we have to remember there's always an opposing force. Yes, mm-hmm. evil is at play here. Yes, there's always an opposing force that wants to eradicate our worship to God, wants to take us off our game, so to speak, wants us to turn our attention to someone else, and that's the problem with Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, this uh, celebration of. Uh, jolly old man in a red suit and reindeer pulling a sleigh. And it's a wonderful story. And it may be tied into a St. Nicholas that truly existed back in the, you know, I don't know, 1200s or whatever. And yet it competes with the birth of a king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have to decide who we're going to side with. Yeah. I think one other piece too is that this part of the story is the darkest part of the story. Yes. One, you know, you don't often tell your kids or anything else is, and it's a critical part of the story because we have to know the reality of evil as well as the reality yes. of Absolutely. God. Yeah. And, and Satan's going to work against what God's trying to do here. Mm-hmm. And it's evident right from the beginning of Jesus story. Yeah. And, and you say darkness, uh, December 29th was considered the winter solstice. And that's the darkest day of the year. And Hippolytus, who was a uh, disciple of Christ somewhere at the end of the 100s into the 200s, wrote a a book in it. He talks in terms of when Jesus was born. And it was really fascinating. They believe that Jesus was conceived. The genesis of Jesus was on the day of Pentecost. Hmm. Uh, No, I'm sorry, Passover. And so that's when the Holy Spirit would have conceived her. That's March, maybe 25th. Move out mm-hmm. nine months, oh. you've got December 25th. And the problem with nailing uh, December 25th is that uh, Passover moves from late May to early April. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly why he landed on March 25th. Now, this is within uh, 100, 200 years of Christ. 
or a little less than 200 years of Christ. And he's trying to figure out when he's, when Jesus was born. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for some reason, tradition held that it was Passover. He was conceived and think in terms of Jesus. Now, John writes, the light is coming to the world. And the darkest. At the darkest point of the um, solstice or the moving around the sun, which is just incredible. Uh, this incredible picture of this lone flame that comes into the darkest part of the world and begins to burn and how that then the shepherds begin to uh, become a part of the spreading of that light. Mm-hmm. And and then it just continues to snowball. Um, and a part of Christmas is to remember that it's the light that has come into the darkness right. and that we want to be a part of the light and not the darkness. And that's the beauty of our candlelight Christmas Eve services is when mm-hmm. we're there holding uh, a candle with a light on it, singing um, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. And it tells the story, and I get the vantage point of being up mm-hmm. by the altar, and I get to look at the congregation. And see it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we'll conclude this podcast because that is a beautiful sight. Um, so, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, We come to you from the First United Methodist Church of Gaylord, Michigan. We're located at 215 South Center Street. And we have, um, well, we're after Christmas now, so for New Year's Day, we will have one service at 10 a.m. And the Sundays after that, we have a traditional service at 9 a.m. and a contemporary at 1045 a.m. And we'd love to have you join us in person. Um, If you can't join in person, we're available via Facebook Live or YouTube as well. So if you have any questions, you can call us at 989-732-5380, or you can Google us and um, our website will answer just about any question you may have. So thanks for joining, everyone. Mm -hmm.